Hello, and welcome to the Steve Barkley Ponders Out Loud podcast. Instructional coaches and leaders create the environment that supports teachers to continually imagine, grow, and achieve. They model an excitement for learning that teachers in turn model for students. This podcast is dedicated to promoting the important aspects of instructional leadership. Thanks for listening. I'm thrilled you're here. Broadening coaching opportunities to increase teacher reflection. I was fortunate to be invited to join Corey Camp on the SIBME Coach Replay Show, exploring coaching strategies to increase teacher reflection. Corey created reflection opportunities for me that I wanted to share here with you. I hope our conversation extends your reflection. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Coach Replay Show. It is May 2023. This is our final month of season four. And once again, I have one of our great friends of the show, Steve Barkley, on with us. I'm really excited about uh, this conversation today because I think it's just a really powerful one. This month, we're talking a lot about reflection, uh, reflecting for growth, and uh, Steve's going to be kind of bringing in this idea of, you know, how we can support as as coaches and, and the various leadership roles that we might have, our audience members viewing the show, um, how we might kind of broaden this idea of what coaching is and who does it and the teacher's role within that. So. Uh, so without further ado, Steve, why don't you just introduce yourself briefly for those who haven't seen you on before and don't follow you yet. Uh, tell <laughs> us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hi, folks. It's, uh, it, it's great to be, uh, be with you and, uh, and great to be uh, uh, joining uh, Corey. We, we had the opportunity a few months back. We, we switched roles and, uh, and she was on, uh, on my podcast, which was a lot of fun. Um, I've got a lot, a lot, a lot of years in, in, uh, in education. I've been working in the area of coaching for uh, almost 40, 40 years now. And uh, I uh, have passed the retirement age, uh, but can't go because I got too much to learn. Right. <laughs> which is to me what uh, what coaching is uh, is is all about. I I entered teaching in a, in a coaching um, environment. I uh, did my student teaching for a year in a laboratory school that was just a whole year of being coached, and then started uh, my official getting paid teaching career, uh, working in uh, open concept schools with teams. Uh, and so as I began to move into teacher training and consulting, I, I just saw the, the, the need for coaching and ha- have been in, involved with it ever since. Yeah, I love that. I remember uh, one of your first episodes with us, uh, you, you talked about how it was going to be your retirement year and uh, <laughs> we, were, we were in full swing of the pandemic and you were like, but I mean, it just got interesting. So why, why would I stop no. now? You know, I, I had to laugh the other week. I I wrote a short blog uh, around uh, uh, Chat GPT, and I thought, whoever would have thought 
a year ago that uh, that I'd be writing something on that uh, on, the, on that on that topic, and uh, I was saying I knew I had a lot to learn. So it, it definitely is uh, it, the, the I, I I did share also that I think this is a very exciting time mm-hmm. to be in education, and one one of the reasons I I don't I don't want to step aside. I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, th- there's so much to, to learn and it really is. There's, there's a lot of technology out there that's, that's become really disruptive even to our work, both as instructional leaders and coaches, but also as, as teachers and parents and just everyday people. So um, yeah, I've been talking with a few others about chat GPT and its role in, in leadership and coaching and, and as we th- have thought about it for our, our platform here at Sydney, Sydney powers the Coach Replay show. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting. So, well, let's dive into our topic. So again, reflecting for growth is the focus for this month as we kind of wrap up, right? The school year is ending for most folks who are on kind of that, that traditional U.S. school year. Uh, and it's a great time for reflection if you're not too exhausted. It's definitely time to leverage a little bit uh, of that reflection. And, and uh, I think you're, you're going to be bringing a really great topic and it aligns to your background, right? You said you, you started teaching in a coaching, you know, campus. And, and so what you're bringing to us is this idea of building a coaching culture. So talk to me a little bit about that coaching, coaching culture. Words words are hard. Um, Coaching culture. One more time, just so I know I can do it. Uh, and the definition of coaching, you recently had a really interesting interview uh, on your podcast with Michael Moody about this, def- broadening that definition of coaching. So talk to me a little bit, again, what is a culture yeah. of coaching well, and then broadening let, that definition? Let, let, me, let me back up uh, okay. uh, first to the, the culture of coaching. The mm-hmm. very first book I wrote on coach, coaching which only took me 20 years from the time I started working in <laughs> coaching. But the first book I wrote on coaching was called Quality Teaching in a Culture of Coaching. Mm-hmm. And that book preceded the term instructional coaching. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and my focus when I wrote that book was on peer coaching, on mm-hmm. teachers coaching teachers. And that was, that was a lot of my uh, uh, original work. So if you go back to my experience coming into teaching, Mm-hmm. always being in that team setting, always being in that open concept setting. Somebody was always seeing what was happening in your classroom. And so that led to conversation. And, and for me, a critical part of reflection is, is, is conversation. Okay. Now, that's a little bit of my learning style because I'm, I'm, I'm highly auditory. So uh, it especially hey. jumped out for me, but it's, uh, I, I think it, I think reflection is is triggered by other people's thoughts and thinking, taking your reflection much further than you than you can on your own. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'll, I'll read this this uh, just this sentence that I that I pulled from uh, from uh, uh, Mike, Michael Moody's uh, writing in Educational Leadership. He said, "If instructional coaching really works, why isn't it working?" That, that was that was his his title. That, He saw it not having the impact that he thought it should have. When we think about instructional coaching, 
we likely envision a single coach observing a teacher and providing feedback. Perhaps we've been short-sighted. What if instead we broadened our definition of coaching to include several engagement points for teachers? After all, coaching is really about targeted and supported reflection of practice. Mm -hmm. That was the key term for me, reflection of practice. Mm -hmm. So I have historically, uh, since, since getting engaged in instructional coaching, suggesting that the instructional coach in some fashion is really the coach of coaching. So rather than than the thought that the instructional coach is the person out doing all of the coaching, Uh um, I, I, I see the role of the instructional coach along with the coaching they're doing is spreading that coaching culture throughout, throughout a school. So I sometimes describe the coaches the instructional coach as being similar to a, a plate spinner in the circus. So okay. you, you, you get a plate spinning on here. This means you pulled three or four teachers together or two teachers together. You've got them working together, interacting with each other. And now the instructional coach sneaks out, go, go get another one started. And, and you're looking to get those re- reflection pieces uh, going, going throughout the school. And every now and then you're too late getting back, the plate fell and so you pick up the pieces and you you, <laughs> right. you, 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 you get you get a new a new one started. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it is it that that spinning that plate spinner analogy is a really good kind of visual representation, I think, for what it feels like to be a coach, whether or not you are the co- coaching of coaches, right? Or you're you are this short sighted definition that. Michael Moody brought up where, you know, we're just kind of leaving it all on a single coach to be the one who does all of the observations and all of the feedback. And, and we've kind of created these separate lanes and, and really that coaches in Texas, we call it the feeder other places. I think they call it the access road, right? They're not even on the same highway. They're, they're kind of leading to the access to the highway. And we don't really see them as a unified unit. One of my favorite texts in leadership, and in fact, we created an entire coaching cohort around it here at Sydney, is Creating a Culture of Reflective Practice by Pete Hall and Lisa Simrall. And they talk, they've got a really great diagram. It's a, it's a, it's a triangle and it's got the coach at one point, the admin at another, the PLC at the third, and the teachers right there in the middle. And I think that that is the perfect representation of this idea that not only am I the plate spinner, but a really good plate spinner who like really is good at his, <laughs> his job or her job is, you know, they they engage the audience into that plate spinning act. And they yeah. even maybe hand that stick to another person to hold as that plate spins. Right. And so I kind of see that in your analogy and, and your thought around your philosophy around coaching that it's not just you doing, but also you supporting. Um, I I talk a lot with my coaches about coaching their admin to coach, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, uh, administrators seeing in, in most cases that there's much more value in the time they spend coaching Mm -hmm. than there is in the time they spend evaluating. Mm -hmm. So I'm working in several schools that are continually focusing on decreasing 
the amount of time that the teacher evaluation process takes on administration mm -hmm. in order to increase the amount of time that administrators can be engaged in more in more growth oriented um, growth oriented ac activities mm -hmm. when when i uh, when when i wrote uh instructional uh, i'm sorry when when i wrote uh, quality teaching and the culture of coaching one of the statements i made in, in that book was that a teacher ought to be able to get coaching feedback once every week mm -hmm. and uh, well it, it wasn't but a short time later then um, learning forward came out with the statement that it should be happening every day mm -hmm. but it, but at once a week i was raising the issue that there's no way that that can fall upon administrator bring in instructional coaches it it has to be and an expanded way that every teacher has some point during the day, whether that's in, in a PLC, whether it's co-teaching a lesson, whether it's a planning process, whether it's in engagement with curriculum and, and my coach, but that, that that time and that structure is created for reflection because the learning comes out of the reflection. Right. Right. It, it's you really can't complete the learning cycle without that reflection. My good friend and, and former colleague, Andy McNair, uh, who does a lot around um, experiential learning and genius hour and passion based learning. We used to do a lot of training on the four C's when when that was, you know, the big the big buzzword. So a lot of districts we were working with in our in our region were asking for that training. And she would always add on an additional, but wait, there's more. What about there's the four C's plus one R? Like you've got to have reflection with those pieces. And so I, I think that's a really important a point. And if we also think about sustainability and manageability, one person can't do this. So going back to your your point of broadening the definition of coaching that it's not just a single coach we've got to include other players and those players can also be the teachers themselves that self-reflection should be the primary driver maybe even the vehicle for the coaching to happen and and we're not just waiting for these you've only been coached when you get observed and you have this coaching conversation, but that's one of the many ways that we could be coached. So I, I so, really like that. So reflection uh -huh. needs to be taught. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so great point, I mean, yeah. If you, if you think how often uh, uh, students are asked to reflect on something or to write a reflection, and when when I'm working with teachers in that, before a student can write a reflection, the student has to be able to identify the questioning sequence that they're going to take themselves through that's right. going to, that's going to guide the reflection. So you're actually teaching you're teaching a questioning process that a person can apply. Well, number one, most teacher schedules, first of all, have no time for reflection. So mm -hmm. it, it's jammed, you know, we, we get to the end of the unit and we're trying to reflect back on it. But by the time we get to teach that unit again the following year, it's unlikely we, we hung right. on. Yeah. So, so uh, instructional coaches and school leaders need to be looking for ways to create that. So one, mm -hmm. one, that I've, one that I've been working on is getting people to 
modify the uh, professional growth plan uh, process for teachers, which is usually goal setting, uh, to reframe that instead into a hypothesis Mm -hmm. that the teacher forms about what would bring about a change that the teacher wants to make happen. And then the teacher's now engaged in a process of, of, uh, of implementing that hypothesis and collecting the evidence along the way to make it happen. So an, an interesting school I'm working with in Germany, it's a, it's a K-12 uh, international school. All the teachers have written uh, uh, their hypothesis. And so they're, they're collecting evidence not evidence that the goal's been met, but mm-hmm. evidence that the hypothesis has been implemented, and what am I what am I learning from it? So in this particular school, they uh, they formed what they called pods, which are three teachers randomly chosen from across the school uh, K twelve to mm-hmm. share their uh, their professional growth plans reflections with each other. So they actually had a randomizer at the first faculty meeting and it popped out these groups of three (laughs) teachers and uh, each month's faculty meeting starts with a 10 minute chunk to just sit in that group of three Mm -hmm. and and share where are you, what are you finding, what what have you run into? Well, that's a purposeful structure of reflection. It's probably going to draw some reflection time before the 10 minutes at the meeting, certainly going to draw some reflection time after and probably can continuous conversations. That's the kind of thing that Mm -hmm. I think we need to look at, at, at at what we're creating to, to assist people in the reflection process. Well, and, and you're correct. And we not, well, first of all, it makes me think about metacognition, right? That's essentially what reflection is. And, and it's difficult for our third graders and it's difficult for our, you know, 30 year veteran (laughs) teachers, right? It's thinking about your thinking makes your mind just a little mush sometimes, but I do think you're on to this idea that it's a process. And what that tells me is we need to find some consistency. So I think about like in the mentoring and kind of mentor coaching work that I do, one of the things that I really like is the collaborative assessment log, which I learned from my colleague, TJ Hoffman, who used it a lot in his mentoring work. And it's, it's this kind of four question protocol. When you check in with your beginning teacher, what's working, what's a challenge focus or concern for you right now? What are you going to do about it? And how can I help you? And what I love about that is it starts with the, the positive. It then addresses the elephant in the room. And then it immediately moves to action and, and giving control first to the individual. What are you going to do about it? What can you do about it? And then how can I support you in that? So TJ kind of when he first introduced the, the protocol to me said it was like my mentor used it with me so consistently that eventually our check-ins became shorter and shorter. And I would just come, she didn't have to ask me the questions. I would just say, all right, here's what's working for me. Here's something I'm focusing on. Here's what I'm going to do and nothing you can do to help me, but I got it. You know? So like he was trained to think in that way. And he was thinking not only in the the check-in with his mentor, but all throughout the day about that. And that is a really good system, like simple systems. I think about 
Michael Bungay-Stainer's work on the seven coaching questions and how much I like those, those questions. And again, it's about that consistency in helping individuals learn how to do that, not only for themselves, but our, co- our leadership colleagues, can we train them a little bit to pause and, and prompt reflection before yeah, they so give that feedback? You're, you're describing teaching the questions. Yeah, so, yes, yes, yes. So, so I always talked about if, 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 if you're working with an effective coach, the coach's impact on you mm-hmm. really extends the time they actually spent with you. Should, right? Yeah. Should. So, because what's happened is you're now asking yourself the questions that mm-hmm. the coach was in effect asking, asking you. When I've trained mentors to work with the beginning teachers, I, I use the statement, uh, have you all heard that experience is the best teacher? Mm-hmm. And I say, actually, that's not true. Experience with the mentor is the best teacher. Mm-hmm. So, so you got to have the experience. But what the mentor teaches you to do is they're not teaching you what to do in, in the situation. They're teaching you how to reflect upon it. Right. And, and, and in effect, that's what my coach is doing. And now if you move that to PLCs, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the same thing. If I sit and look at my student work and I'm looking at that with two or three other educators and, and, and they're posing questions that strikes this reflective process. Well, later on in the week, I'm looking at student work mm-hmm. and those questions from my colleagues are still there. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's encouraging me to go deeper in, in, in learning from, from the student work that's there in front of me. Yeah. And again, like that is then taking that, that coaching is not just this binary exchange between a single coach and a single teacher, but um, one I'm going to, with every teacher I engage with, work on building that reflective capacity with them. So it can be the vehicle for our coaching work together, but I'm also ensuring that my leadership peers are um, doing some of the same and we're on the same highway together. We don't necessarily have to be in the same lane, but we're at least aware. And then when I bring the, the other teachers in together, right, now that's really a culture because I've got it at all levels and, and we all have that awareness and we all have that skill of that reflective piece, which I think is really powerful. And you've got some really great um, blogs and, and podcasts around this, the peer coaching and, and PLC. And again, uh, around the, the interview you did with Michael Moody, that we're going to have all of those uh, linked into our notes and takeaways. So I think that's going to be fabulous for anybody wanting to dive a little bit deeper. As we, as we wrap up today, Steve, what what are your kind of final thoughts around this idea of, of building that self-reflection capacity within, within the building, uh, bringing those PLC, broadening this definition of coaching, bringing those PLCs in to really kind of deepen the coaching work that we're doing? Any, any last? Well, I've, 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 I've always pushed that, uh, that teaching is a, uh, is a team sport. Mm-hmm. And therefore, needs to be a a, a public act, mm-hmm. um, a, a, a new piece that um, that I've been differentiating 
um, just just recently is getting people to think about using the term peer observation mm. to be different from the term of peer coaching. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled across it because I started talking to some schools about peer coaching and they told me they already had it going on in their school. Mm-hmm. And then when I investigated further, I found out what they had was peer observation, not peer coaching. So right. teachers were encouraged to go out in, around the school and to visit other teachers' classrooms. And, and, and that's, that's a great thing to do. But uh, for me... It's just the first step, right? Well, well it, 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 then it's an okay step. Yeah. If you understand that the purpose of that is for the learning that the observer is going to take. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if I'm out observing in other teachers' classrooms, it should cause a great reflection opportunity for me because when I'm in another person's classroom, I can observe teaching and learning in a way that I can't observe it in my own classroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I can go into classroom, I can pick out two kids and focus in on those two kids and see exactly what's happening and, and how the teacher's interaction with the kids is impacting. Um, that, that causes reflection on the part of the observer. And, and so for me in peer observation, any feedback to the teacher who was observed is, is minimal and it's probably positive and it's probably mostly a thank you. Mm-hmm, right. When I switch when I switch it over to peer coaching, now the focus is on the teacher who's being observed rather than on the observer. Mm-hmm. So now the pre-conference becomes critical for the observer to get really to the bottom of what value, uh, what kind of valuable feedback the teacher would want. And I'm digging in and finding that and 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 giving it to the teacher. And I'm really creating the reflection now. For the teacher who was observed, and right. and now the extra bonuses I can pick up as the, as the coach are 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 less critical. They're there and they're they're a valuable uh, a side effect. But I think getting people to see that it's two different kinds of uh, two different kinds of reflection mm-hmm. uh, m- might be helpful. So, Steve, I think that that is a really good differentiator: peer observation versus peer coaching. I think both require some intentional. Um, coaching around the process from the coach, right? So peer observation is, is kind of the easiest step in, I think, to peer coaching. Um, it's, it's the first step, but it, like you said, it's really the benefit is on the observer and not necessarily the observee. There are some ways that you can, you can make that happen, but I really like how you differentiated and, and added that if you're really peer coaching, there should be a pre-conference. Yeah, you can't peer coach without a pre-conference. Yeah, you've got to have some kind of when you come in, this yeah. thing. I think about the observe me movement versus the pineapple chart. Pineapple yeah. chart, observe all the things that are happening that are really cool. People are willing for you to come watch versus observe me. There's usually a set of questions or look fors that the person being observed wants some feedback on. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful, simple structure that you could use to begin really amplifying the peer collaboration that happens, right? So so I think again, to me, um, loving this this idea of of from from your conversation with Michael Moody around it's not just a single coach, but then also we have to think about the the real role of the coach in the building is not just to have that binary relationship with each teacher, but 
to really be the coach of, of everyone in the building, to really be that, that main instructional leader, not only coaching on instruction, but also coaching on coaching at the different levels. So, so, so let's play it out to one higher level yet. And that is, at what point do we begin to bring the kids into the, yeah. into the process? Oh, yeah. I, I just pub- published a, a guest blog from a, a district that I'm working with in Pennsylvania that, that's doing a, a, a learning walks where three or four teachers are going with the coach. They're visiting three or four classrooms and then they're coming back to a substantial conversation, which is extremely mm-hmm. reflective uh, on, on, on what they saw and what they're, and, and what they're thinking. Um, again, the focus being on the observers, not on the uh, observed. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I, uh, I I sent it out on on LinkedIn, someone responded back. Imagine adding a few students to that process. Mm-hmm. So imagine you're now taking two or three students on the on the learning walk with you, and now when you come back and you're you're just engaged in that reflection process, and then really setting the stage for us to be able to start giving kids the feedback so that they're reflecting on the choices that that they're making. That's mm-hmm. really the empowerment movement uh, across the board for teachers and learners. It really is. And, and I've, I've had a, a few of our, uh, the clients that I've worked with who have taken it to that student level. And it's just so exciting to hear like a teacher who um, has students record their small group session uh, one so the teacher can go back and and you know score them on a rubric of their collaboration but also first and foremost those students watching themselves and using that to score themselves and their their own self-evaluation and just the power that that has Uh, so I love that that you bring in that that additional element and again like the adults have the culture coaching culture if if we do the first part of what we talked about but you really bring in the entire building the entire campus then owns that including the students and how powerful that could be always making me think steve it's like except when every time we meet i'm like it's like you're reading my <laughs> mind this is the these are the things i'm also thinking about and then you just take it to another level so i always enjoy our conversations with you here on the replay show. And um, I just want to remind everyone, if you want to uh, listen to Steve's podcasts, which are always wonderful, or read his blogs, you can find him and his information on the notes and takeaways, as well as a little bit more into some of these bigger ideas that we talked about today. Steve, anything else for anyone while we yes, wrap just, up? Just thanks for the uh, invitation. And uh, uh, as always, it's uh, it, it's a great uh, it's a great reflection opportunity for me <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, join yeah. you. Oh, me as well. A big thank you to Corey and the team at Sydney. In the podcast lead-in, you can find a link to the YouTube video of our conversation and the link to Michael Moody's article, If Instructional Coaching Really Works, Why Isn't It? I'd love to hear your thoughts on increasing teacher reflection. You can always contact me at barclaypd.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to Steve Barkley Ponders Out Loud on iTunes and Podbean. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. I also want to hear what you're pondering. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Barkley or send me your questions and find my videos and blogs at barclaypd.com.
www.cloudfarm.com.